Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Howdy. What's going on? This is episode 59 of Breaker Culture Weekly, and my name is Ty, creator and owner of BreakerCulture.com. Thank you so much for joining, and we are excited because today we have yet another special guest, and uh, I think you're going to like this because it's a little different than usual. We have Jeff, Dallas native, owner, creator, mastermind behind Pack Geek. If you haven't heard of Pack Geek, then you need to get on it. You need to go to YouTube and type in Pack Geek. And you will be impressed. Jeff does one of the best jobs when it comes to putting out content on YouTube. And it, it is a it's a gem within the hobby. So go check it out. Subscribe to his channel. And the reason I have Jeff on today is, is twofold. Number one, I want you to hear his story. I want you to hear what goes into creating Pack Geek and really the mindset and the vision for it. And then second, and probably the most important, is I want you to, to glean some insight to what he's learned from from putting things out on YouTube, creating content, valuable content, and getting people to subscribe to his channel, and then all the things that he coaches his clients on in his professional career when it comes to creating YouTube content. Did you know that YouTube is the second most searched and the second largest data repository in the entire world? If you are not capitalizing on YouTube, you're missing the mark. And so today, it is all about helping you capitalize on YouTube, whether you're a hobbyist, whether you're a group breaker, whether you run a small business, you need to know, you need to have an advantage when it comes to content on YouTube. So that's what it's about today. Enjoy that episode. Um, Enjoy the next hour of conversation. But before I do that, we jump to the conversation. I did have a retweet giveaway that I'm excited to uh, tell you about. If you didn't participate, um, you probably have about an hour, but uh, here at five o'clock, we'll be putting out the most recent web episode of our Bowman Draft ladder walkthrough. And during that YouTube video, I'm going to to do a live giveaway. And uh, yeah, there's 180 people that participated in the retweet. And we're going to give away 40 packs of 2019 Bowman. Excited to send it to one of you. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, type Breaker Culture, one word, and subscribe. And you'll see the video. Hit hit Twitter here in a little bit. And uh, yeah, good luck to you. Other than that, enjoy this episode. We'll catch you later. Good evening. How are you? Hey, Ty. Good to hear from you. Yeah. We uh, we both got babies in surrounding rooms here, so hopefully we don't have any interruptions tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I'm hoping we do not have a guest appearance from Fox Hofer because uh, <laughs> he's not one to podcast very well. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Amira, Amira is the same way. So we'll just... Uh, thankfully, we're podcasting, so we'll cut all that stuff out for listeners. But How old is your newest one, Ty? Um, she is six weeks old. Ooh, wow. She yeah. is brand new. She is brand new. 
Yeah, she's finally starting to lock eyes with you. So now it's like hearts totally melting. (laughs) Well, you're coming up on the the smiles and the laughter, which were the big milestones with our son. I remember since our son is seven months old. So we kind of just went through that phase you're going through. Oh, heck yeah. I love it. I love it. People always ask, "What's your favorite phase?" And it's like, I, I mean, I can't even pick one. in our kids, like everything has, there's a unique moment in every phase that I would never trade for anything. So, uh, well, man, thanks for joining tonight. Been wanting oh, to chat with you for a long time, and I'm glad we finally made it work. But for those that don't know, Jeff, um, I mean, you do a lot of things, but I think most people probably in the hobby know you for the patent geek stuff that you do on YouTube. Um. Is that is that it? Would anyone know yeah, well, you for anything yeah, else in the hobby? I, I, I hope they know me from Packy. You know? <laughs> uh, been putting a lot of effort into the series over the last couple of years, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I feel I'm, I'm very grateful to have met all the people in the hobby that I have so far. It's it's a really cool community. No, it is for sure. I think people that don't aren't really ingrained in the hobby don't realize how tight knit the hobby is. It's a pretty cool community. Totally it's agree. wild. You know, I, I tell my wife, um, she works in media as well. So she's pretty active on social media, but she's always blown away when I'm telling her all of the just like random acts of kindness going on on social media throughout the hobby and people, you know, helping others out who are, are down on their luck or just having, you know, a bad week or whatever it is. I can't think of many other hobbies or interests where people are so uh, so willing to just do something nice for hmm. somebody else that has similar interests. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. So let, let's just start from the beginning and we're going to, we're going to talk about a lot tonight, but let's, let's hear this, the Pat geek story. I'm curious how you kind of got into the hobby and kind of how Pat geek evolved. Start wherever you want, but there's oh, a lot wow. that we all want to know. So let's hear it. <laughs> well, uh, well, okay. So, I mean, I've been collecting, um, uh, most of my life, I took kind of a break um, somewhere in high school and then picked it up again uh, after I got out of college. So I took about eight to ten years off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I picked it back up, I just – I was having a blast opening up packs from my childhood. I started collecting in 1985, and uh, I, I still have such a, a, a soft spot in my heart for 1985 tops. It will forever go down as my favorite set. Um, But so, yeah, so I, like most people, started collecting when I was little. And then when I got a little bit older, um, as an adult, have a little bit more income to buy some of the stuff that I chased as a kid. And I I just really got into opening packs and and even opening packs um, from the 70s, you know, before I was collecting Mm -hmm. and ended up opening some pretty high-end stuff. And at the time, I was on a forum, Collectors University board. Yeah. Um, shout out to those guys. I met a lot of really nice guys over there. And uh, so I would get on there and post about something I'd open and kind of show scans of the cards. And I, I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be able to share this experience with uh, my buddies on the message board? And and that was kind of where it began. And, hmm. and I, I worked in production at the time. I've been working in production uh, my entire adult life, whether on camera or off camera. Um, and so I, you know, I, I did a, a really basic setup when I started. And this is back in like 2010 wow. when there there weren't a lot of people doing videos. And it was it was literally just me and a still camera on a tripod 
pointed over my shoulder. The whole idea was like this immersive experience. Of course, like 90% of the cards were out of focus because no one was behind the camera making sure you could, <laughs> could read the name. Um, so I, I'm going through mispronouncing names and everything like I still do. And, uh, and I did a lot of those and loaded them onto, uh, onto YouTube and just started this channel and called it Pack Geek just because it seemed like the, the geekiest interest. And of course, my friends who didn't collect thought it was, it was silly. But uh, so it's kind of, you know, that fun tongue in cheek. And, uh, and so, yeah, I started doing that. And I did that for the better part of a year. And finally, it, this is when unopened product really started taking off. And the baseball card exchange, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with those guys. Oh, yeah. um, their, their products started blowing up. And, and because of that, their prices started going up. And I eventually got to a point where I was like, you know, I, I don't think I can afford to open the packs that I really want to open for this channel. So I'm going to take a break for a while. So I. Uh, when was I, this? What year is that? That's that's towards the end of 2010, I believe. Okay. My timeline serves me correctly. And so somewhere, you know, six or seven years later, <laughs> um, I was watching Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, as everybody in the hobby is has seen Gary V post something of late he's you know this digital marketing guru but he was started talking about how his first business was flipping baseball cards back in the day and so I started watching his videos and and I was a content creator at the time doing other stuff and he was okay. talking about um, documenting you know he that that's that's really what he preaches don't necessarily script your content but just document what you have going on hmm. and so I thought well this is exactly what I was doing with Pack Geek back in the day. And what really sealed the deal for me was my my wife, who was the last person in the world I thought would encourage this, called me out of nowhere one day and said, Jeff, for some reason, I, I think you should start doing Pack Geek again. I just had this feeling and it came to me and, and I wanted to tell you that. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> Honey, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I bought some unopened packs that I wanted to open on camera, and this time around, I decided that I was going to do everything right. So I hired some uh, some friends in production uh, of mine, and they came over, and we we started doing the series right. And this is uh, this is in 2017, and kind of restarted everything pack geek 2.0 if you will and uh here we are today uh we just uploaded episode number 70 to the channel today and um rocking and rolling amazing that is cool so so a couple things first 1985 right when you said that i thought mm, what a great year the royals winning and i know your your family's from kansas city so that, that's a, that's an important year for us here i went to one of those games ty it was yes amazing. it will it will forever be uh, a, such a special time, especially as a Royals fan. Fortunately, we've had one other win since then. But man, there are some lean years in there. Oh my gosh, just a cool 30, 30 lean years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm curious. So, so why would your wife? I mean, what what was it she was seeing inside of you that made her think that you should get back in it? Was it just your growing love for cards, or was it the opportunity? You know, Dude, on- I, I wish I knew. And I think I could I could pull Hillary in here right now and she probably couldn't fully explain it. <laughs> either. I it was one of those things where I had some random people and this meant a ton to me because I literally hadn't done any videos for it. It was 
a solid five or six years this time. And I would get random emails and still subscribers like once a week to the channel. I would get random emails from uh, from guys. Uh, maybe they were on the Collector's Universe forums or they're from somewhere else that had watched the series, the early, early stuff, the, mm-hmm. the super low production stuff. And were telling me stories about how you know, it was a father and he was able to bond with his son over watching an episode of the show or <laughs> one guy had he and this this sounds like an Oprah moment, but I'm not lying to you, said that he had a brother that he wasn't they weren't on speaking terms and somehow they 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 had finally got together over cards and their thing was to watch the Pat Geek episodes together. And it, it was just so weird, but you know, I relayed this to my wife because I couldn't believe that my silly, silly little sports card series affected anyone in any sort of way, but much less in those sort of kind of deep ways. And I think that probably uh, wow. ignited some of her uh, motivation to tell me I should bring that back. But you know, it, it still <laughs> seems surreal that it has affected anyone other than maybe getting you know some some cheap thrills along the way that's that's crazy well i don't know if anyone's nominated you but i'm gonna go and nominate you as the dr phil of the hobby because it sounds like you're the, you're the one <laughs> you're the right guy for that um, man i don't know that i want that title that's that's a pretty serious title that's true that's true I'll, you might I'll have to set up a that. booth booth of the national <laughs> yeah, for, the dr <laughs> phil booth <laughs> that's funny so can you go back and look at your 2010 videos do you still have them up on your channel they, yeah, episodes one through eighteen on the Pack Geek channel are the originals. All right, I'm about to go back and check them out just for kicks. Oh, it's embarrassing, but I left <laughs> them up there just for just for historic purposes. But uh, you can you definitely get to see how the show evolves. That's that's <laughs> there's going to be a major gap in there, but nope. yeah, they're still up. No kidding. So let's talk about the evolution then of the idea. I mean, because I mean, obviously from. For seven years, you've got technology improving, so you know you can fix the technology part. But when you got back into it, what were some of the things you thought, you know what, I got to do this better or I need to make sure I focus on this? Oh, man. Well, the the first was I need to get someone to run the camera so I don't have to uh, set up a camera and be the guy in front and behind the camera at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that for, for many of us, including myself, is an investment. But yeah. um, that, that was one thing that I, I promised myself if I was going to reboot the series that I was going to do it right and I was going to create something that is, uh, that's going to look good if you watch it in 10 years from now. So hmm. I wanted to do something that's you know almost TV quality and, uh, and put it out there. So um, get somebody to run a camera, um, DSLR cameras, you know, just small, um, nice can like we use Canon five D's mm-hmm. on, on our show. And, uh, and, and I have somebody that, so I have somebody that runs two cameras. We have a three camera wow. set and someone that runs sound and the third camera. Impressive. And so, yeah, I guess uh, to answer your question, it wasn't it wasn't technology so much as it was manpower. Yeah, you know the the latest smallest cameras that still produce nice HD video. I know people are listening and thinking, man, I want to get into YouTube stuff, and they're thinking, oh shoot, really? Three guys to help? That's what it I, takes. I, I know it, it. Well, it sounds like a lot, and I overdo it because I'm kind of a production snob. But <laughs> you, you don't need all of that, and I certainly don't want anyone to hear that and be 
intimidated or frustrated at you know there being some sort of barrier of entry because I also shoot videos for the channel every once in a while where I just set up my phone uh, and and you know with a little a miniature tripod right in front of me and and hit roll and uh, talk into it so hmm. you can do it that way too yeah absolutely so let's talk about kind of your approach when you're putting an episode together do you and it's probably changed over time obviously do you have kind of an idea when you're going into these thinking there's certain products I want to have I want to show I want the the, the, the the viewer to kind of take this from the episode what's kind of your approach so I usually well it depends on if it if it's a solo uh, video or if I've got a guest mm-hmm. if I've got a guest actually either way just because I'm kind of an over preparer um, I, I always kind of outline what I want to cover just to make sure I cover my bases because it's easy for me to get out there and just get lost in cracking open 1985 tops packs and forget what I wanted to cover or if I wanted to <laughs> plug something special. Um, so yeah, so I, I always outline that, especially if it's me by myself. If it's if it's an interview, I'll outline kind of the, the topics that I want to cover, but I try to keep that as fluid as possible. So try to script as little as possible, just, just those kind of uh, uh, prompts, if you will, of mm-hmm. what I want to talk about. Um, and then that's it. You know, I try to maximize the content I film in a day. So this is a, a secret for anybody that really wants to get into producing something that's that you're having to hire a production team or even just you know a, a shooter to come out and uh, film for you. Is if you can maximize the amount of episodes you're filming in a day, typically you're paying those people a day rate. So you line up you know, five or six episodes that you can knock out back to back to back, and you're saving yourself some money as opposed to them coming out five or six days to film one episode. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. So you do you try to, to line up and, and record five, six episodes? So you have all your products ready to go and you just <laughs> knock them all out? Or is that? I, I try to hit 10 episodes. Oh my gosh! And I am, I am beat by the end of the day which I'm, I feel guilty even saying because all I'm doing is talking with friends of mine about sports cards and opening sports cards. But man, some of those episodes are you know twenty or thirty minutes, so yeah, you, know, you guys can do the math. But you do ten of those in a day, and you've covered a lot. That is awesome. So where are you at in the ten that you have now? Do you have a do you have a nice little backload of, of episodes ready to go? Dude, I have fifteen that I'm that I'm waiting on. We we filmed and typically I film. Uh, once every couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time I, I shot back-to-back weekends because there was a really big uh, sports card show in the area that I, a buddy of mine was a promoter at. So I wanted to go out there and he offered us a booth if we wanted to film there. So man, I had to take him up on that to be able to film pseudo live, live to tape as you'd call it, yeah. uh, at a, uh, a sports card show. So that was a fun environment. That is awesome. Wow, 15, That's that's a content dream oh my goodness yeah, especially when you're when you're releasing one a week which we release an episode every wednesday at 10 a.m so yeah man we've got a we've got quite a backlog no kidding so what when was that moment i think everyone has that moment where you and it's probably obviously after 2017 for you where you got back into it and you thought all right i'm glad i did this this is gonna work what what moment was that for you is it was it pretty clear Oh, geez. I don't know that I've had that moment yet. <laughs> oh. Okay. No. I, okay. I, I'll give you this. This was this was 
kind of a game changer for me and it's it could sound petty but to me it it was it meant a lot um some of my wife's friends saw the show on i don't remember if it was facebook or twitter or wherever it was but these are gals that have zero interest in sports cards Mm -hmm. they barely have an interest in me as a human being (laughs) they're they're my wife's friends so you know i'm just hillary's husband but uh but they watched the show because the first um episode well it was maybe like the third episode of the rebooted pack geek series i had my wife on as a guest and so they watched the show because Hillary was on it and they ended up watching a couple of other episodes. But the ultimate compliment was from someone who cared nothing about sports cards, cared nothing about sports in general, said they enjoyed the show. Even though they didn't know what I was talking about with sports cards, they, they still enjoyed the content. I was like, well, nice. that's the ultimate. You know, if I can get someone who doesn't like sports cards to stay tuned for 10 or 15 minutes, I've won as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I like that barometer. That's a good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, like guys like you and I, it's that's the low hanging fruit. If we're yeah. talking cards, I'm going to tune in and I'm probably not going to stop watching until I figure out, you know, where we're going with this. But yeah. for somebody, it's like me watching, you know, what something on sewing. I, I'm going to tune out real quick. <laughs> Great point. Sewing's a perfect example. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's whoever's sewing. If it's a super interesting personality, you know, you might have. Me. That's true. If Gary V's sewing, I'm probably still watching it. <laughs> so, do you know Gary V? I don't know Gary V. No, but I I've listened to him enough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do so you? You're familiar with the personality. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What are your thoughts on Gary Vee, if you don't mind me asking you? Because I'm always curious to know he's such a polarizing character. Oh, my gosh. He is, yeah, he is totally a polarizing character. It's funny. When I'm having those times where I feel like I need a little kick in the butt, he's the guy I kind of go to. Although I feel like he's probably over the top a bit for me. You know, and he's, you don't, you don't want to listen to him with your kids in the room because it's like there's so much language and stuff. But I, I, I think he has a ton of great takes and he's usually – does what he needs to do for me and that's kicked me in the butt to have a little bit more motivation man you you listen to that guy for five minutes and you're like what am i doing with my free time i should have just <laughs> started a business over the last five minutes or you know uh, but he so to your point though about the uh, the cursing because i agree it's tough to just let that fly at the house with kiddos running around yeah he i saw that he has a channel on his youtube that's like curse free gary v or something what yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Wow. That, that's him just listening to customer feedback, I'm guessing. Cause that, uh, and I own no stock in Gary Vee, but I do believe in his, in his message. For sure. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah. What about his takes in the hobby? Are you, uh, are you a big fan of that? I, I kind of like it. And okay. I tell you what, I think the hobby has a little something for everyone. And I know he turns a lot of collectors off when he starts talking about, you know, the ROI on sports cards and mm-hmm. and who to buy into just for flipping purposes. I don't mind that stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like that is a part of our industry. Um, it, you know, you, you collect what you like, but also if you know this hobby that well and you're good at prospecting or whatever it might be, then why not be able to afford to buy more of the cards you like with some cards that are going to, uh, they're going to, you're going to be able to turn a profit on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm basically in the same boat as you. Uh, what, there's nothing wrong with buzz to me, and he has created a lot of buzz. He's created a lot of good conversation, and gosh darn it, if you're not thinking about ways that you can monetize or flip, I mean, you're just you're you're joking to yourself. You're lying to yourself. I mean, if you didn't go out and buy a bunch of uh, Giannis Prism rookies, <laughs> right. France, you're, you're missing the boat. <laughs> you missed the boat. <laughs> Actually, you missed the boat. If you're hearing this now yeah. and you're buying them, I, I think it might be too late for this season. Yeah. Gary V's laughing all the way to the bank with that one. <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the crazy thing about this hobby is like there's only so much supply for cards like that. You know, once they dry up, and it, I mean, and you got a guy like Gary Vee promoting it, forget about it. You know, you're getting squeezed pretty quick. Oh, yeah, especially somebody who's going in for volume. It's tough to compete with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, interesting. So what would, what would be your favorite episode that you've recorded? It, do, you, do you have one? Is there one that you always point people to? I typically go to, and I don't know the episode offhand, but... I interviewed this local Dallas radio guy named Hawkeye. Okay. And he is he is like a country radio legend in the DFW area. He's he's on the longest standing um morning talk show in the Metroplex, uh Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And uh I mean he's kind of a local celebrity, but I I interviewed a girl that was on his show and she mentioned you've got to interview Hawkeye later on. And so I, I reached out to him after I did the interview um, with her, and and he was so excited. And I was thinking, you know, I, okay, so maybe maybe he collected a little as a kid. He brought over his childhood binder from oh my goodness when he was a kid. It was 1971 tops, and he had 1975 tops. They were like his two favorite years. He had the cards that he bought in 1971 and 1975, still all there. He gave me a card out of his dupes pile. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking, this is so surreal. This is a guy, you know, I've heard on the radio a million times. And he's over here totally geeking out, talking sports cards with me right now. And it is all 100% legit. Like, he loved it. And so we got to do that stroll through memory lane um, and just bring back all that nostalgia, which I absolutely love. When I'm able to talk to somebody about the cards they first con- uh, collected or a set they really connected with as a kid, that's the most fun for me. Mm. That is cool. That is very cool. Did he ha- did he have you back on the radio with him? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know that <laughs> the general public didn't care so much sense. about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, that that's something that probably won't go two way. But uh, he did say he'd like to be on the show again, so I, I'd probably bring him back on. But he's usually my my go to when people ask me about my favorite episode because it just awesome. seems so sincere. It was a lot of fun. That's that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, so I mean, wh- where would you kind of say you are now with things? Are you and I guess more importantly, what's your vision going forward? You have fifteen episodes to put out, but are you looking to shift? change anything or are you you kind of content with the way things are going i i would like to shift oh. so a couple of things i want to take pat geek on the road i want Ooh. to i want to take this out of my kitchen <laughs> and and do more stuff like going to the, the sports card show the the uh dallas card show that we we filmed a bunch of episodes at recently i want to go i want to make a trip to the west coast 
and talk to a bunch of people out there. I want to make a trip to the East Coast. And I want to be able to uh, visit collectors around the country and, and see their collection and uh, talk to them about their passion and maybe even go on some buying trips to look at collections to buy. And there, I mean, there, the sky's the limit. There's so many cool things I want to do with this show, but I don't want it to be limited to me just opening packs. Yeah. I, I past that. And I just, I just need to do it well so that, um, the audience that I've grown so far is interested in that content. Amazing. What was number two? Um, so, okay. So go on the road. <laughs> Um, oh, so it, it's, I, I want to just, I want to make it more, um, interview and kind of tour based. So mm. say I want, I want to go to Beckett and I want to explore Beckett media. Fortunately they're in Dallas. So, um, I, I'm hoping I'm able to swing that here soon. I, I want to go to go over to Panini who's also in Dallas and I want to tour their facility and talk to, talk to Tracy Hackler again and talk to the folks there, maybe people who design cards. Um, I, I want to talk to, uh, just some crazy collectors, crazy eccentric mm. collectors out there that have amazing collections that not many people get to see. I want to talk to them and hear about their passion and see some of their cards. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like I need to be opening packs uh, mm. for those episodes. So it's just kind of diversifying yeah. the product we've already built. Absolutely. And I, I don't think anyone listening would argue that the hobby would consume that, eat that up so quickly. We need, we need something like that right now. I love it. Why, why? Yeah, so what would stop you from doing that? What What would be the inhibitor? Uh, well, right now travel's a little tricky with yeah. a baby at home and, you know, a, a full-time job and a couple of side, uh, side hustles. But, um, honestly, time is the only, uh, thing that's stopping me right now. Hmm. And, that's just a matter of kind of planning ahead. So yeah. I see that definitely happening, starting to happen uh, towards the end of this year and definitely in uh, 2020, which, man, that seems weird to say. Gosh, that's it does. 20. It totally does. <laughs> My gosh. So when I swing through Kansas City, because you know I will, Ty, uh, with my folks being an hour from there, uh, I, I got to have we're the doing episode something. with you on. Yeah, you do. It's funny. We just—I just had an episode, my last episode, funny enough, with sports box breaks, and we were joking because they—they've never shown their faces in five years during breaks, <laughs> and they're like, everyone knows us by our hands, not our faces. <laughs> and I, and I kind of feel it's the same with me. So that'd be really fun. It'd be good. Well, I and I think it's there's—it's kind of nice to be able to not show your face sometimes because uh, you know you don't have to shave, you don't have to brush your hair. Um, but I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to create something big and I feel like at some point I just got to show my face. So let's Love just it. get it over with. Yeah. You got to show off your perfectly groomed beard. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, mean, I have to, otherwise, uh, I don't know my, my facial hair is out of control. <laughs> a whole new episode by itself. Well, if you live in Texas, don't you have to grow a beard? Isn't that a requirement? That, well, yeah, it is a requirement. Um, the problem is it's so darn hot here that- <laughs> Oh, like a ZZ Top beard down here, you're going to be just on fire. Uh, so true. So true. Although the humidity here, I, I would argue, is, is worse than a dry heat there. You know, you've been to Kansas City. It, it goes both ways. It's like arguing about barbecue between Texas and Kansas. It's not even Yeah, you guys, you guys do have some wicked humidity there. Yeah. 
But uh, so all of all the products you've opened on the show, what's the one you've enjoyed the most? And we'll set aside 85 tops because that's just not even fair. Oh, dude, you're taking taking my training wheels away from me. Okay, <laughs> um, I I probably would go then with uh, 1975 tops, oh, which okay. I like to call the 1985 tops of the 70s. Okay, um, it so I mean. It, being a lifelong Royals fan, it's got the Brett rookie and it's just a special set. And it's so highly collected that I feel like a lot of people gravitate towards that. If you're somebody that's into collecting uh, vintage baseball mm-hmm. and man, those, those packs, they're getting really expensive, but that is a fun rip just with so many big cards. You've got like four or five hall of fame rookies in there. And yeah, who is it? Who's in there? Rice and Yount. I know that, but oh, oh, Brett, who's the other? Gary Carter. Oh, shoot. Gary Carter. Yeah. Um, and who else am I missing? So we've got four. I, there might be a fifth one in there. I'm sure I'm forgetting, but um, it might be four. But there's enough to keep people's interest. Crazy. What What do those packs cost now? I, well, so 80, or I'm sorry, 75 tops, uh, just the regular tops. Those are tough packs to find. Mm-hmm. The, the minis I'm able to track down, um, you know, off baseball card exchange mm-hmm. uh, every now and then. But I, I want to say they're they're running like a hundred bucks a pop now. Um, wow. I, I had some cello, some uh, cello packs of the minis that I that I broke probably six months ago. Those were a lot of fun, and man, they were they were pricey too. I want to say they're like a hundred and fifty or two hundred. Oh a pop. my gosh. Yeah, if you don't pull anything, you're 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 hurting after <laughs> opening packs like that. But it's still a lot of fun. It's exciting. No kidding. That does bring up a good point, though. So when you're when you're acquiring packs, do you have kind of the go-to place for your for your um, for your inventory, or do you just kind uh, of? And I am I am not affiliated with the Baseball Card Exchange, <laughs> but I think Steve Hart over mm-hmm. there runs a really tight ship, mm-hmm. and you know there's. There's a lot of sketchy folks out there selling unopened product, and uh, especially when you go into the older stuff. And I, I think they are about as trustworthy as it gets. Um, I, I I don't buy older packs off of eBay. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few things I won't buy off eBay. Uh, but I usually just go directly to the baseball card exchange because I, I know what I'm getting from them is going to be legit. And for some reason, if if there's any gray area, they will make it right. Awesome. Have you had those guys on your show yet? I haven't, man. I, I would love to. That's that's a group that I would like to talk to once Pack Geek hits the road. We'll be stopping through Chicago and hopefully getting some time with Steve. I think he'd be a really fun interview. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've never actually used them. But yeah, that's, uh, I don't really get into vintage, but that's it's good to hear. You got me thinking I should do it. So are you all modern? Um, I don't. I don't open a ton anymore. Uh, okay. believe it or not, it's funny. We were at uh, Shani and you probably heard Shani on the show before the co-host for some of the shows. He, we were just joking. I do all these pricing letters for certain products and I don't even open the product. <laughs> so I'm just looking at data. All I look at is data. Wow, man. How do you keep yourself from buying the packs? I mean, I guess it's six hard. kids will keep you from opening some packs, but, uh, yeah, well, there, there was a time and place for that. And then, uh, the, the, the place became overran with cards and, my wife said it was time for them to go. So <laughs> I got you, man. Storage can become an issue. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, that's interesting. Well, let's take a quick break real quick. And then I'd love to shift the conversation to a little bit more of the YouTube social media platform stuff. Are you okay with that? 
Sounds great. Cool. Breaker, so that the type of listeners we have are a lot of group breakers, a lot of hobbyists, and there's a few kind of scragglers who are entrepreneurs and just interested in kind of how to run businesses and things like that. But I think in the hobby, YouTube's finally become the standard. It took a while because of things like Breakers TV and all the other stuff that's just kind of faded. But tell me about YouTube from your perspective. Why, why did you standardize on YouTube? And, and kind of how important is YouTube in the hobby? Oh man, um, it's a big question. Yeah, no, this is something I'm I'm super passionate about. So I'm happy we're cool. gonna have a chance to talk about this. But uh, I'll start with this. I I worked at a social media agency for almost three years, and all we did was uh, manage big companies' social media accounts. And I was uh, a producer and director of video content for these companies that they were, um, we would create content and they would put it out on their social channels. Um, and something that we reminded all of our clients was that, uh, YouTube is the second biggest search engine on the internet behind Google. Crazy. So, yeah. So think about that. So other than Google, um, YouTube is where most other people go to search for things. And, and it's wild uh, how many how many eyeballs YouTube has, the, the sort of attention that it has. So I think for a company that's building any sort of marketing strategy, especially sports card related or, or entertainment related, you have to be on YouTube. Hmm. And I, I feel like we're just kind of from a, a, a bigger picture. It, we're at a really interesting time in history right now with content creation and my favorite thing about YouTube is that there, it basically allows anybody out there with a camera or a phone, as it were, to create their own television series. And I, and I mean that, a television series, because I don't know about you, but um, my wife and I watch TV on a smart TV. So we have a YouTube app, which basically turns anyone's YouTube channel into a TV network. Mm-hmm. And so I can literally pull up the Pack Geek channel on the TV in our living room, and we can scroll through that just like we're watching Netflix or just like we're watching Hulu. And I just feel like people underestimate the power there. And uh, in my humble opinion, I believe everything is going to go to a platform like YouTube eventually, where you know the cable providers as we know them are are either going to get involved with the YouTube sort of setup, or they're going to go away. Because, you know, you're maybe have a subscription set up, but people are just going to release content free on the Internet and make money through advertising, not through subscriptions. Hmm. Interesting. That First off, that's mind-blowing. I, I, I'd heard that before, but it, I don't think it re- registered with me. But the second biggest search engine, I, I guess it makes sense with all the content they have. It, it's wild. So Crazy. when you... 
I, I gauge a lot of things off. I have two nephews that are one's one's uh, like a, a sophomore in college and one is a, a senior in high school, and I'm always bouncing ideas off them and figuring out how they consume content. And they, I, when I go to visit them, they don't even turn on the TV. They just turn on their laptops or their phone, and they're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. When they when they want to search for a song, they search on YouTube. You know, they don't they don't go to they don't even go to like iTunes. They go to YouTube to find songs. So they're going there for music. They're going there for TV. They're going there for uh, web series, entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's all going there. It's like the one-stop shop for kids that are, you know, under the age of 25 now. Um, so I just think it's a platform that you have to take serious if you're putting content out there. No kidding. So let's dig into that a little bit then. From a search perspective, what have you kind of learned from the way people search and maybe the way YouTube works all of their um, the calculations and all the, you know, the, the search keywords, all the stuff behind the scenes, what should we know? <laughs> you know what, that, that's a good question. And I am not like an SEO expert by any means, but, um, I always try to load up on the tags that I put on my videos and something I remembered. And I don't know if this is still the case, but I'll just put it out there in case it is. When, when I worked for the social media agency and we would load new content onto uh, YouTube for our clients, we would make sure to put all the tags in before we uploaded the video. So, you know, mm-hmm. you click upload and you, your video starts and you, you put all of your information in there. We would always load the tags before the video finished loading. Um, and for some reason, that would bake that information in there better than if you loaded the video posted it and then went in and tried to like edit and add things or however it was. But I I just remember that being something. So that was like my only SEO trick. I try to stick with that. Um, And I, again, I don't know if that's still the case, but I try to put as many tags, relevant tags in there as possible. I try to put a nice long title that includes all the keywords. Um, Other than that, man, I don't know too many search tricks. Um, So for those listening, the tags that he's referring to aren't the same as like a Twitter hashtag where you enter the pound sign and type something. The tags that you're referring to, Jeff, or are the the section where it says keywords, I think, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Cool. And then you you have a set set of those that you use every time and then you just adjust those as needed? Yeah, that- exactly. So I'll go in and drop in, you know, whatever's relevant, whether it's um, the name of the product, the um, the, the, the sport that it is, you know, I'll drop in the name of the series and, uh, what, whatever is relevant to the content you're putting out there uh, and, and whatever you think people are going to be searching for. So if somebody's doing just a, a broad search, like put those terms in. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably something most people aren't even doing, especially group breakers. It's, it takes t- two minutes at the most and you should be adding those into your videos. Um, I would, I'd be curious to know if it, if it, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. Super quick. Um, what, so I always notice this in videos and I know you do this too. You're always, Hey, if you like this, click the like button, you know, make sure you subscribe to our channel, Ex- explain kind of the importance of liking videos and what that means for you as you're putting out content. How does it really help you? Well, so almost as important, if not more important than your subscribers or your views on a video is your engagement. Mm -hmm. And I know, um, a lot of companies now are looking for, um, 
content creators or influencers or whatever it might be. And they're basing whether they want to uh, have a partnership with these people based on engagement. So what I always recommend is um, if people comment on your videos, engage them, you know, reply to their, if certainly if they have a question or, or even if they say, Hey, um, Ty, you know, I love this video. Thanks. You know, just a simple reply makes those people feel like, you know, this is cool because I can comment on Ty's video. He's going to see my content and engage with me. So that, that also encourages that kind of repeat viewing. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's really good stuff. Okay. And it's, it's a simple thing, you know, especially like if you, sometimes it's fun to end your video with a couple of questions you just throw out there to YouTube. So then it encourages that engagement. So people will ask you questions in the comments and that just sets you up for great engagement right there. And you're helping the community out. So, um, it's just giving back and you're also kind of helping your channel. Awesome. No, that's good. Super helpful. It's super easy to do. <laughs> It, 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 this is stuff that everybody can do. Right. You know, it's just a matter of reminding yourself, you know, I should either plug my Twitter channel at the end of the YouTube video or, or ask, throw some questions out there or both. Yeah, no, absolutely. What about, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you do this for a living, so you, you've kind of broken down all these metrics, but ha, have you looked into kind of the average view time? You know, how long does someone, you know, when does, when does their interest kind of wane when they're looking at videos? What's, what's something folks should know about YouTube and really where to focus their attention? Is it the intro? Is it two minutes in? Where's the hook need to be for these? Man, that's, that's a great question. And it's funny because I, as, as you, as you mentioned, I, I work as a creative director for a production company as my full-time job. And we do a ton of branded content for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and branded content is just a, a fancy way of saying like, long form commercials basically with mm. kind of a little bit more entertainment wrapped in. Um, but so what, what I would tell a client in my day job is don't go over 90 seconds. If you want somebody to watch from the beginning to end for sure and, <laughs> and stay connected. Now I'm putting out some videos that are 30 minutes. So I'm, I'm kind of flying in the face of my own rules, but, um, I do think it's really important to hook your audience in about the first 30 seconds. Okay. And that's giving them an idea of what they have to what you have coming up. Um, if you have a guest, tease the guest, um, show some product, whatever it might be, get that hook in early and they're more likely to stay with you. Mm, that's good. So you got, you got 30 seconds to capture their attention, which I mean, honestly, it sounds like a long time. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, and, and some people have shorter attention spans. You, those people might tune out after 10 seconds, but, uh, you know, get it in the moral of the story is get the hook in as early as possible. <laughs> Certainly if you can get something interesting in there in the first 30 seconds or tease what you have coming up, get it out there because people want to know what to expect and they want to know if they need to stay tuned in or if they need to, you know, go to a recommended video. Yeah. There's, there's too many options out there. Yeah, no doubt. That's very true. So when you look at your own videos and you've kind of seen which ones do really well, have tons of views and then which ones don't, what are some of the things that stick out to you? Is there anything that kind of comes to mind? You're like, oh my gosh, I learned I shouldn't do this next time or I should do, I should do this next time. It's so wild, man. I'm still trying to figure out what, what works and what doesn't work. 
because you know somebody I could put out a video that I think is you know mediocre and maybe somebody somebody posts it onto you know the blowout forums or something and all of a sudden I have a thousand views out of nowhere um, you, you never know like it, it all depends on the attention that it ends up garnering somewhere. Um, as far as like thumbnails go, I'm still experimenting with that. I'm wondering whether it's better to show like the best pull from the video in the thumbnail, or if that gives away the entire video, I I don't know. And I honestly, I'm still kind of figuring out, uh, what works best. But, uh, as you can see, if you look through my channel and the thumbnails, um, I, I, sometimes I just show the card. Sometimes I show myself and the guest that's on the episode. Sometimes I show, you know, a motion graphic that we did or a cool animation that was done during the video. I am just trying to see what, what attracts people visually. <laughs> and, and nothing stuck out. That's interesting. I'm sure you've noticed some things, but do you have to I show, if you show your beard, does it attract more or no, it doesn't. It, I don't think the beard, it might work. I don't know. I haven't posted one without a beard that I can think of. So maybe, maybe that's it. That's maybe gotta just be it. it. That's totally gotta be it. <laughs> you know, the hook for me and your videos is always the, uh, the intro packy, you know, packy. It, remind, it takes me back to Sega. I don't know why. Every time I hear yeah. it. Well, that's, so when, when we first did the reboot, that was kind of the, the idea is that we wanted to hit all those people that had the Sega Genesis and, um, and were interested in 1985 tops at some point in time. Uh, so we, we went after the nostalgic 80s gamers and pop culture sort of references in there. And then um, it's evolved a little bit since then. But, but yeah, that was the uh, kind of idea behind that original intro that's awesome it worked it totally <laughs> worked <laughs> so so let's put ourselves in the shoes of a group breaker or a hobbyist looking to really focus on youtube um what are some things outside of what you've already shared now what are some things you think they should do to approach youtube differently in mm. Well, engagement for sure mm-hmm. engage with your viewers um i just think that that's I can't overstate that. Um, and then, you know what? I, I don't see a lot of a lot of uh, group breakers. Well, no, I can't say. I do see some of it, but I feel like there's some of the big ones could be more engaged on social, especially Twitter. Twitter seems to be like the spot for hobby people for some reason. I don't know if that has to do with the athletes being on Twitter. Hmm. Or, or, or why that is, but I would love to just see them engaging more on social media so people feel more connected with them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, well, and, and as you're sharing some of these tips uh, for group breakers, if you do not do 90 second summaries of your breaks, then you're just totally missing the mark. I mean, my goodness, no one wants to watch your hour long video. Put a 90 second summary video together and put some That's good keywords there. Um, so that, that you mentioned Twitter. So now I'm curious, do, do you mess around with like the Twitter Periscope stuff or whatever they call it now? Twitter live, all the videos there. Um, do you waste your time with that? Do you see value in that? I, I do see value. I okay. haven't, I haven't done it myself just because 
um, I don't know. I really love releasing polished content and I kind of trying to uh, maintain a certain look and feel with the episodes, but I've been trying to also release more like supplementary content out there. That's just like me, um, on my, my phone, um, phone camera phone and, and just some, some fun, quick videos to, to supplement the longer episodes. But I haven't done a ton of live. I've been experimenting with YouTube live a little bit, um, but I haven't done any Periscope and I haven't done any other, haven't done any Instagram live either, but I, I'm definitely interested in that stuff. I think there's, there's certainly a market and attention for that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I can tell you this, if, if I saw that you were live during one of your recording sessions, and you were showing some quick clips of what's going on as you record, I would totally tune in to watch that stuff because I'd be curious to know how the work you put into it. I think it'd be fun. Well, I I will take that to heart. That's that's definitely good advice, and I'll, I'll keep that in mind because I always wonder, like, if people see Pat Geek has gone live, are you going to tune in or am I going to, you know, waste 10 minutes here uh, <laughs> with, like, one viewer on my YouTube page? Hey, Jeff, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> You keep on asking these great questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so let's um, let's go to some of the folks that maybe aren't they don't consider themselves to be creative, um, or maybe just kind of lost when it comes to the technology and the platforms you need to use. What where where would you kind of recommend them to start as a setup and a way to kind of get better video quality and software they should use? Kind of talk us through how you would coach someone. Well, if we so. Um, and, and I'll dis- please disagree with me if, if you, uh, are familiar with this, but if you're wanting to start a podcast, first off, I think you have a really nice polished podcast. Um, but I've, I've recommended this to some friends before. If you're interested in the podcasting, I think, uh, Tim Ferriss, if you're familiar with him, he did mm-hmm. the, uh, for uh, our work week. For yeah. Our work week. Yeah. Thank you. And, and a few other, uh, books, but super intelligent guy. He put out an episode of his podcast that is on everything you need to start a podcast. And I, I thought that was a, some really good guidelines for starting. So I would, if you're interested in a podcast, listen to Ty's podcast mm. and go download uh, Tim Ferriss's um, little guide. It was, I, I wish I knew which podcast episode it was, but he just searched that and you'll, you'll find it. Um, and then when it comes to like a web series, I, I think you just keep it simple and kind of figure out how you want to do it. You know, use your use your smartphone. You can get a, a little tripod from eBay for like ten bucks, and you just put your put your phone in that, and you flip the camera around so you're looking at yourself, and you also have a monitor there, and and make sure you aren't backlit. You know, that's an easy one, but you want the the light to be coming from the same direction direction that the camera's pointed. Um, and, and just simple stuff like that and, and get started and figure out what you like and what you don't like. And then once you have a better idea, uh, then maybe invest in some camera equipment and some lights or however far you want to take it. Man. But hmm. uh, I just feel like there's no barrier of entry right now to having your own web series, TV series, whatever you want to call it. Uh, thanks to YouTube and thanks to smartphones. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, when it comes to tech, you know, actual software. Um, the technology stack, is there anything that you recommend for beginners? I mean, if I know like Final Cut Pro is stuff that comes up for professionals, but what, what do you recommend for beginners to start using to cut and create their episodes? 
man, iMovie. Seriously, don't don't get don't get crazy because with with these sort of shows, you don't need to get super heavy in the editing. You just need to be able to splice a few shots together and have some transitions, just basic transitions. So don't I I, I think Final Cut Pro, we use Premiere. Mm-hmm. Um there it's great, great software but it's a lot and it's it's super intimidating if you aren't familiar with editing so start start light because i would rather you start with something and you use every gadget in there and then you have to move on to something bigger and heavier like a premiere or final cut pro um start with imovie and start with something simple everybody can use that and figure it out and if you don't know what that is it means you're not using a mac and shame on you shame on you Okay, so I don't know what you use on PC. I'm to say that. Windows I, Paint? I, I think you use Paint, maybe? There's got to be a PC equivalent to <laughs> iMovie. It can't be as good, but it's it, there's got to be something there for you. Exactly. Well, then you just have to use Adobe Premiere. Sorry. Go take, you go. go take okay, your college class and good luck. Adobe Premiere is fantastic because of the Creative Cloud, and we, we use all of those tools uh, in basically every outfit I'm working in right now. So, which yeah. is crazy for those who don't know Adobe cloud, you can subscribe for like 30 bucks a month and you get access to everything Adobe has everything. It's crazy. I mean, it's such a great deal. Yeah. So we use, we use premiere, obviously we use some Photoshopping and then after effects, when you guys see those fancy, uh, motion graphics and animation elements that we, we put into pack geek, that's all in after effects. So mm. there's, there's a lot you can do with the creative cloud once you uh, are interested in taking it, taking that next step. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, I do all my podcasting editing through Adobe Audition, which is in the creative cloud. And then all Very my cool. crappy graphic graphics are done in, in Illustrator. So <laughs> I think you got a, a good looking show, man. I know it sounds like I'm just kissing your butt because I'm on it right now, but I, I think you're, you're putting out some great content. Uh, that's, that's nice of you to say. Um, all right, so look, this is the big question that's always going to come up, and I'm curious to know. If you don't want to answer this, until we get it. Okay. How, how should someone approach monetizing on YouTube? What should be the mindset? And, I mean, let's be realistic. I know no one's going to get rich. No one's going to get rich off YouTube. Hear that clearly. You're not going to get rich off YouTube. Um, how should folks approach it? Yes, well, thank you for putting that out there first because that <laughs> that is what everyone should know. Like, yeah. Making money on YouTube through YouTube is extremely difficult. But so, mm-hmm. um, let, let me let me just break it down a little bit. So there are some milestones you have to hit with a channel, and I'm sure a lot of people this is old news, but I'll say it for the the folks that don't know. Um, but so you have to have at least a thousand subscribers on your YouTube channel before YouTube gives you an opportunity to monetize. And then beyond that, which I still haven't hit yet, you have to have 4,000 hours watched over the past year of your your channel. So um, you, you have to, you know, you've got to have subscribers and you've got to be putting out regular content that, that gets those views in order to get monetized. And beyond that, in my personal opinion, it's more important to try to find a partner or sponsor outside of YouTube. Hmm. And I know that, uh, that that kind of works against the original question, but if you're into producing content for a YouTube channel for money, I would try to find somebody to advertise with you or partner with you and not 
just go through the YouTube ads hoping to recoup money that way because it's going to be really tough. I think that is awesome wisdom. <laughs> that is the reality. And, and if you're not thinking that way, then I think that you should probably shift your mindset a bit too. But well, yeah. when I people, you know, with, with YouTube ads, people, oh, I'm sure people out there think that's the only way you can advertise mm-hmm. on, a, on a YouTube channel, but that, the, the sky is the limit. There's a lot of different ways you can bring a partner in, whether it's super obvious or, or more blended in with your show. Yeah, absolutely. So how have you approached that then? Have you, is that what you've done or have you not even thought through, through that? <laughs> I'm, I'm really concentrating right now on just putting out the best content I can. Love it. And, and eventually I, I'm certainly open to a partnership, um, but I've got pretty high expectations right now for a partner and I would rather have complete creative control of the series and build it the way I want it to look and feel um, as long as I can. And then hopefully someone will come along who shares the vision that I have and uh, we can, we can partner up on something, but I'm, I'm open to that. But to answer your question, I, I have no affiliations right now with anybody. Um, I, I have Panini on a lot because they're uh, local guys and Tracy Hackler is a buddy of mine, but I'm truth be told, I'm, I'm not affiliated with Panini. So um, yeah. Uh-huh. I am crazy to me it's crazy to me it's it's a cool thing that in the hobby we have folks like you jeff and and other guys i guess myself too who do this because we love doing it and there's no allegiances one way or the other and we don't make really any money doing it so yeah (laughs) we do it because we love cards and we love what we we love learning and putting our talents out there (laughs) that's exactly right and i i love the idea of building a web series pack geek is I think the fourth web series that I've built, which wow. a lot of people don't know. Um, it's it's the only hobby web series I've built, but uh, I just love the idea of creating a series, you know, a, a pseudo TV series that's on the internet. What, what, what were the other three? Did, did I miss so, that? I, well, <laughs> I, I, I used to be um, an actor, and so I used to just do wow. acting and writing full time. And so I did a lot on camera, primarily just commercial acting. And so the first series I ever did was called Dallywood, and it was Hollywood in Dallas, and it was a parody of uh, Dallas actors. And so it was my actor friends and I um, in this playing ourselves in this kind of surreal comedy world, but it's just kind of a sitcom type of feel. But um, that was the first one I built. Uh, I did a, another series that my wife hosted that was called uh, Pinterest TV, and uh, we did, I think, four episodes of that, and uh, then I did a couple of others where we just had like a pilot episode and didn't really go anywhere, but um, they weren't as as exciting, but Pat Geek is uh, the longest-running series that I've put together. That's awesome. I, I can only imagine the people that were looking for Dollywood – Dolly Parton's theme park, and they got they came across your Dollywood web series and thought, man, what the heck? Yes, if you search D A L L Y W O O D, um, it, it's uh, it's still out there, uh, but it's it's pretty funny. It's it's family friendly and clean. So if if you want to check it out, 
might get a couple laughs out of it. <laughs> nice. I am totally, I'm going to go back and check out episode one to 18 and I'm going to go check out your Dallywood series. <laughs> oh man. If you make it through one to 18 of Packy, you, you are, you are a better man than I. Hey, I got to get your hours up. I got to get you to that threshold. I'm going to do my, do my part. <laughs> nice. Well, man, this has been awesome. It's, we're at an hour now. This is, uh, this is perfect. And that, as you probably know, since you've listened to some of our episodes, I usually end with some random questions and I got a few for yeah. you, if you don't mind. Of course, man. Fire away. All right. So you, you get to be, get featured on one TV show. Which TV show are you going to be featured on? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So I would say the, the actor side of me would love to be on the office. Okay. Uh, if the office were still running. Um, and then the treasure hunter, collector in me would want to be on the curse of oak island because it is so incredibly addictive i don't know if you've seen that show but it's a treasure hunting show and it is it's so good really yeah. <laughs> now you gotta be curious what's it called again it's called the curse of oak island and it's legit like it's not a it's not scripted I think it's on discovery channel or history channel i'm forgetting i have a dvr so i don't have to I don't have to track it down anymore, but um, it's it is amazing. But it's all this giant treasure hunt on this island in Nova Scotia, and uh, a man. It's you'll have to check it out. You'll get a kick out of it, at least one episode. All right, done. I, I will absolutely check it out. Okay, uh, you get one band to listen to the rest of your life. Which band is it? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Man, one. So my favorite band of all time is a band called Sublime, and yeah. they haven't been the original band hasn't been together for a while. But jeez, ah, there's so much good music out there. I was not prepared for this one, Ty. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Sublime and just phone this answer in because uh, I could ho and hum for another 10 minutes and not have a good answer for you. So I'm just, I'm come just, on, Jeff, just pick one, man. <laughs> I'm gonna say, how about sublime? I like it. Cool. Uh, what's the last gift you gave someone? All right. So I just gave my son, <laughs> this is ridiculous and such wishful thinking because I'm convinced he's going to be a professional baseball player. Uh, seven months on, this is great. He's seven months old, yeah. He, but he's going to be the third baseman for the Royals uh, oh, yeah. at some point in time. So, mind you, my son isn't crawling yet, and I just bought him a T-ball set because, you know, <laughs> every baby that's not even crawling yet needs a wiffle ball bat and a T yeah. that they can't even get to. So that's the most recent gift I've given. I love it. Well, my oldest son wants to be the shortstop for the Royals, so... If if this is still in the YouTube podcast universe twenty years from now, both of our kids are playing for the Royals. That'd be something special. That is going to be wild. I'm I'm so down for that. <laughs> we'll be happy fathers. We'll be at the game every 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 night together. Um, Eating kraut dogs out in the cheap seats. That's right. That's right. What's the last magazine you read? Um, that was. Boy, you know what? Can I use auction house magazines? Oh, the catalogs, because I get a lot of those sent to my house. Uh, You know what? Okay. SMR magazine, PSA's magazine, Ah. the the, the grading company. 
they send out a monthly magazine, and that was probably the most recent magazine I went through. That's funny. I realized I don't look at magazines very often anymore. Yeah, I know. I've asked that a few times, and one of them was like Reader's Digest 12 years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, all right. So this one might be a little more uh, divisive. Last question for you. If you could get rid of one card manufacturer, which one would you get? Whatever and why? Oh, my gosh, dude. I, I should stay away from this question. <laughs> uh, okay. Let, let me think. Um, who is no longer in business? Oh, wow. You're going to go that route. <laughs> I, I'll, let's, let's flip it then. Let's flip it. What's your favorite okay. card manufacturer and why? Uh, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Panini for modern cards because I've been really into their basketball and football cards. And I I just think they put out a really cool product. And then I'm going to play both sides of the fence and say tops for eighties and before, because that's where my heart's at and that's where I began collecting. So if I can give both of those out without it being a total cop out, wow. I will. Thank you, Mr. Switzerland. That was great. <laughs> People are doing it home. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I was watching your last, I think you were opening Optic Choice, I think, the one you just put yeah. out. And you were just begging for a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young. And I, I was there screaming, please, for the love, pull a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young. But it's, it's those well, cards are sweet looking. Be, oh, they, they are so cool. And that's – I love the products where it's all hits like that. You know, it's a small card count, but you know every every card is going to be cool. Um, it's it's fun for videos because it keeps people engaged. Yeah. I, I even think the camera probably wasn't even doing those cards justice because I, I know they look sweet in hand, like in person. Look incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – uh, Ryan, who is the uh, director of photography for Pack Geek, um, for that particular episode, he he was we were having a field day because you know we get those tight shots on it and certain any any card with a prism or refractor effect is tough to get a good camera angle on. Mm. So here, I mean, what you don't see behind the scenes is us tilting the card a million times to try to get a good look at it on camera for those tight shots. Interesting. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I can I can imagine it's hard to figure out the right angle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nightmare for him. I think he loves it when we go uh, with some more vintage cards because there's a lot less glare <laughs> on them. But got to got to have a, a diverse selection, though. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Jeff, you, thank you so much, man. Seriously, you are you do an amazing amazing job with your production and your skills. That's super fun to watch. Uh, where, where can folks find you? Obviously, Pat uh, Geek on YouTube, anywhere else? Everything is at Pat Geek. So uh, Facebook, I'm big on Twitter. I love Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's all at Pat Geek. And then, of course, the uh, channel name is uh, Pat Geek. And if you want to go to the website, you can find everything there. It's just PatGeek.com. Good oh, stuff. Oh, also, yeah. should, quick plug. My production company is called Occasionally Genius. Yes. We are the production company behind Pat Geek, and I would love to help other people interested in creating like a high, high-end, high-quality series. I would love to help you guys out, um, whether it's just answering some questions for you or, or putting together some production for you. 
reach out to me. You can either find me through PackGeek or occasionallygenius.com. My goodness, people, just do that. <laughs> just go find Occasional Genius. That's awesome. Easy on you. Yeah, seriously. Is it is it you and a group of guys? Is it the same group of guys that works on Pat Geek? Is it you guys together? I've got I've got well, I've got a lot of contractors I use, ah. but it's not always the same group of folks. But I've got a team of people that uh, I dip into for uh, every production, depending on what the need is. Beautiful, good stuff. Occasional genius, Pat Geek, Jeff. Have a great night. Go, go cuddle, go cuddle, Fox. Is his name Fox? <laughs> It was a fox, right? Yeah. Yeah, FOX. Yeah. FOX. Awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. This was a blast. Oh, you got it. Have a good night. See ya.